0: that if you have not been listening to the thinking, feeling, cycle teachings, you are doing yourself a great disservice. You are doing yourself a great disservice, not because I need you to be able to quote the scriptures, but because in those teachings are something very practical that will help you manage your life. I'm going to review that right quick, and then I'm going to go into what we're talking about today. One of the things we've learned, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we don't attract what we want, we attract what we are. One of the most frustrating things is to be like, why does this keep happening in my life? It keeps happening in my life because there's something in my thinking-feeling cycle that is attracting it to me. On the other hand, when my thinking-feeling cycle is aligned with God, there are some things that happen in my life, not because I deserve them, but just because I agreed with God. And so what we're working on is becoming a church that is proficient at practicing thinking, feeling cycle when we're not in church and someone else can instruct us. So what happens when I get to work and someone talks crazy? What happens when I get an unexpected bill? What happens when I get a bad report from the doctor's place, from the doctor's office? Do I have the ability to take control over my own thinking? Or am I hoping and waiting on something external to happen before I can shift? Tell your neighbor, say, you don't need anything external to happen for, for before you can shift. Saying, in fact, if you learn to shift inside, you'll see your outside shift. So this is really, really important work. And it's not necessarily, you know, we, in the church, we got some things we really like, some teachings that really stir us. Like when we start talking about, you know, it's going to be your best year yet, everybody likes that. We like, yes, we want it to be our best year yet, right? We like that, and we like teachings. I call them sexy teachings. You know what I'm saying? The get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm telling you how to get ready. Think and feeling cycle. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Think and feeling cycle. And so, what is the thinking feeling cycle? It says, that I think a thought. I release a chemical. That chemical triggers a feeling. That feeling triggers another thought. That thought triggers another feeling. That feeling triggers another um, another chemical. That chemical triggers another feeling. And you have a cycle. Anytime you are happy, it is because of your thinking, feeling cycle. Anytime that you are at peace, it is because of your thinking, feeling cycle. Anytime that you are not at peace, it is because of your thinking, feeling cycle. Now, here's the thing. Because we have not been trained to be a people who are perfect in our thinking, we don't always capture our thoughts. But if we can track our feelings, our feelings will tell us where we're located. Tell your neighbor, say, your feelings feelings. always Always. Tell tell you where you're located. Your feelings always tell you where you're located. Now you go, well, what are we supposed to do about that? Because the Bible tells us that we're not supposed to walk by what we feel. We are supposed to walk by faith. That does not mean we ignore what we feel. It means that we use our thinking to shift what we feel so that we're actually in faith. Here's a good example. It just happened the other day. It was funny. um, Canaan was at a friend's house. New friend's, I mean, old friend, new house. The house is out in the country. Edwin and I go out there, and I'm going to the door because I want to say hi to the mom. But it's a pretty big distance from the door. To from where we're parked, like the yard, it's like literally if you were on the other side of the chapel walking here. So if you're on the other side of the chapel and you park, you can't see everything that's over here till you go around it, right? So I start walking toward the door, and as I'm walking toward the door, I'm like, I don't know if these people got a dog. They out here in the country. I mean, they could have a big bear dog out here, right? So I literally stop walking. Why? Because my body is now saying to me, we're not sure if this is safe, right? Well, Pastor Edwin, because he's petty, recognizes what's happening. But I'm not looking at him. I'm, look, I'm trying to decide, go back, go in. And I left my phone in the car so I can't text Canaan and say, do they have a dog, right? And he, I don't know this at the time, all of a sudden I hear a bark behind me. And when I hear the bark, I'm like, because I'm trying to decide, what kind of dog is this? If it's a little dog, I will kick your dog. But if this, is, this, is this a rock? No, I'm sorry. If your little dog try to fight me, I'll kick your dog. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with a big dog. Is this a huge dog? Do I go forward? Do I go backwards? And I turn around and look at Edwin for help. And he is crying in the car laughing at me because here's what he says. Regardless to what you think, your body gave you away. So it didn't matter how much I tried to go. I'm not afraid of big dogs. I'm not afraid of big dogs. I'm not afraid of big dogs. My inability to make a decision whether to go forward or backwards. I could not decide if I should go forward, make a dash for the door. Or back to the truck, right? Because you can tell when you're not in faith emotionally because your feelings keep you from moving. So God says apply for the job. And it's like you heard a bark. And you like... And if you can learn that about yourself, You don't need other people to tell you whether you're in faith or not. Because it's great to make confessions, but when you get a bill, what happens in your body? When you get a bad report, what happens in your body? So we need to understand how to interrupt this thinking, feeling cycle, guys, so that we can bring ourselves into alignment with God. Because God is not calling us to go around and pretend like we cool when we not. I'm in faith. 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 And then every time something happens, you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know where the money going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to get healed. I don't know how I'm going to find love. If that kind of stuff is coming out of your mouth, don't beat yourself up. Tell your neighbor, say, this is not about beating yourself up. This is about locating yourself so you can do the work to shift. Can I get the towel? I forgot mine. Thank you. So let's go to Genesis 1. Let's do a little work here today. Genesis 1, says, because we're talking about going back to our original image. Say, it's time for me to stand in my true image. So it says, and God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the, all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So then God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. Tell your neighbor, say women too. Women. He created them. And God then blessed them and he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. My spiritual mother teaches all the time. We love this scripture so much because it tells us that we have dominion over difficult people. The Bible says he's giving you dominion over everything that creeps over the earth. You got dominion over all the creeps. You don't have to let a creep run you off your job. You don't have to let a creep run you out of your neighborhood. You don't have to let a creep keep, keep you from getting the thing that you're supposed to have because you have dominion over the creeps. So what does this word image mean? Because it's really important to understand this. Image means two things. It means to resemble something and to represent something. So God created you to resemble Him and to represent Him. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, this is more than just being a nice person. say, "I am not created, am not created. to just be, nice just be a nice person." In fact, in the first creation, the part of the creation, it does not tell us that God was nice. It does tell us what God does. It says, in the beginning, when the Earth... Was dark and void and without form. And he looked out upon the deep and he said, Let there be light. Go back to verse one because I think that's important. We just go do a little work here because if you don't get your real identity, you'll always be trying to get some kind of prophetic word or some kind of insight, and you'll be trying to get it as an impostor because you don't know who you actually are, and you don't know that you already qualify for it. You don't already know that all the healing you ever need, God has already provided for you. All of the provision you could ever need, God has already provided for you. All of the money you could ever need, God has already provided for peace, grace, joy, whatever it is, it's already yours. Say it's already mine. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was void, was, with, was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, this is important for those of you who don't study your Bible and you haven't really done the work on this. A lot happens between verse 1 and verse 2. Tell your neighbor, say, a lot happens between verse 1 and verse 2. <laughs> say, a whole lot happens between verse 1 and verse 2. Because if not, you look at that and you go, wait, God created something that was dark and void without form? No, let me tell you what happens. The Bible says in Isaiah that Satan was in heaven and he was the most beautiful of all the cherubs because the worship flowed through him. If you study it according to Jewish texts, it says that he literally had pipes in his essence and when he walked, worship flowed from him. And as the worship flowed for him, he began to think more highly of himself and began to think that since he was so dope that the, they ought to worship him instead of worshiping God. So he concocted a plan and he said, here's what I'm going to do. He th- in, the Bible says, in his mind, he said, I am going to overthrow God. And by the time he finished thinking the thought, he came to himself in earth. And one of the things that I hate about our narratives about God and the devil is that we play it like it's a superhero movie. We play it like he's the Avenger and that when God needs to deal with a, um, that when God needs to deal with a Thanos, he got to call all the superheroes from every galaxy and every region in order to do it. But I need you to know that literally when the enemy even thought about coming against God, when he came to himself, he was out of the presence of God. Get this. So between one and two, there's a battle. Now the Bible says a third of the angels went with him. You're wondering how is this possible? Because in heaven, they're they're not talking by words. They're talking by vibration. So they can hear it all without it being said. And a third of the angels go, you know what? He really dope. He really got a lot of, yeah, he, let's roll with him. Seems stupid to me, but whatever. They end up in earth. When they hit the earth, Satan finds out that all of the glory he thought he had wasn't his. So when he hits the earth that God had already created, it becomes dark and void and without form because he finds out that what he thought he was, he only was with God. Now, God does an interesting thing here, because I'm just trying to show you your identity, right? He does a fascinating thing here. At that point, God could have just made the planet disappear. Satan could have just been done with, but instead he does something else. He comes to earth. He sees that it is dark and void and without form. And he be, and the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit begins to move. I need you to know that when you look at something and it looks dark and void and without home form, if you get quiet, you will see that the Holy Spirit is starting to stare over the situation. Because you can't create without the Holy Spirit. So God brings the Holy Spirit part of himself into the earth realm. And the Bible says it. Be, he begins to move over the waters. And when the Holy Spirit begins to move, God starts to talk. And he says, let there be light. And the Bible says, and light was. This teaching is so important. Because in verse 26, it says, you are created in his image. God is telling us how he designed us to live. He designed us to see something that was out of place. Invite the Holy Spirit to move and then begin to speak in agreement with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Which means that whenever we see dark, we never call it dark. We always call for light. That means that when I see my kid and they not living right, I never say they on their way to hell. I talk about their redemption. Why? Because my job, my identity, my purpose is to speak light when it looks dark. Because the darkness was just an illusion. Keep going. Let's verse verse 2, verse 3. We only go get to Genesis 1 and 2 today. We're going to be done. It says, and God saw the light and that it was good. So if you're looking at the things in your life and they don't look good, you're not operating from your God identity. You're operating from your fallen identity, which says it is what it is. It is what it is because you keep calling it. It is what it is. You keep saying how raggedy it is. You keep saying how stressful it is. You keep saying how it doesn't can't get any better. You keep saying how broke you are. You keep repeating the doctor's report. Everywhere you go, you got to tell them what the doctor said about you instead of telling them what Jesus said about you. Every time you get a chance, you got to tell them how broke you are, how much you are struggling, how hard it is for you to eat right, how hard it is for you to get over your past. And because you keep saying it, you keep inviting it to dominate in your life. That's why when Pastor Elwin starts this morning, he says one of the best things you can do is to get a grip on your mouth because your thinking, feeling cycle is now going to dictate what you say. Keep going. He saw the light. And he called the light day. And he called the darkness night. And then the evening of the morning, the first day. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. going. Next. 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 Here we go. Verse 14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be signs for seasons and for days and for some years. Next verse. And let them be lights for the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and so it was. Next verse. So God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and he also made the stars. I don't think you know who you are. God created light before there was sun and a moon. In day one, he says, let there be light and light appears. But it's not till day five, I believe. Go to the next verse. It'll tell us what verse. Next. Next. What day? Day four, that he creates the sun and the moon, which says to us that the source of the light is neither the sun or the moon. It is the word that created the light. So he speaks to the darkness and he creates light. He creates sun afterwards to manifest what he's already created. The sun is just an expression of what he had already created. The moon is just an expression of what he already created. You watch God. He works through. He does the same thing when he creates man. The Bible says he creates man in his image. He forms man and female in their likeness. If you study it out, what it means is that when God first made Adam, Eve was contained on the inside of him. People go, Eve didn't know who she was. Yes, she did. She was contained on the inside of Adam. Their original names are Ish and Isha. She is inside of him. He creates man in his image. He gives them power, dominion, creative ability. He says, Be fruitful, be and multiply. But it's not until Genesis 2 that he gives them a body. He creates them first, in essence. It's not till Genesis 2 that they get a body. I submit to you that some of the co-creating that Adam was doing, he didn't have legs yet. But he did have essence. He creates Adam. This is important. Then he begins to train Adam who he is. Just like when you have a kid and you begin to train them who they are. The, the, the mark of a parent is that you begin to train your kids about their identity. It's one of the reasons that when our kids leave home, we say stuff like this, no matter how old they are. Last week, Taylor's in Tulsa. She posted she's in Tulsa. Edwin says to her what he's been saying to her since she was 10 or 11 years old. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't do drugs. Don't have sex. In other words, he's saying don't forget who you are. God is saying to you, I've been training you, don't speak death, don't curse yourself, don't curse your blessings, don't talk about what you can't do, don't curse your job by talking crazy all the time. Don't curse your family by talking crazy all the time. Don't curse your money by saying you don't have none. Don't curse your body by talking about how bad you fall. I'm training you how we change things. Your body may be hurting, but we use what we say to create the essence so it can show up. So God shows us both with light and both with mankind that what he's going to do is he's going to speak Something that thing is gonna come to be, and then it's gonna take a second for manifestation to occur. But God doesn't say, Maybe I didn't make a man because I can't see him yet. But what you say is, I pray for increase, it didn't show up yet, maybe it didn't take. I prayed for love. It didn't show up yet. Maybe I didn't take. Maybe it didn't take. And you delay your own manifestation because you don't believe that you created it when you said it. He begins to train him. Let's go to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 19 and 20. I want you to see this. If you would just study... Genesis 1 and 2 and Luke 4, you'd find your whole life. We're almost done. He says, out of the ground, the Lord forms. What? Every beast of the field, every fowl of the air. And what does he do with them? He brings them to Adam to see what Adam's going to call it. What'd you say? Because Adam had been given dominion, so at that point, God didn't name animals. Come on. Come on. Just lay your hand on your head. Say this, my truth. I'm anointed to understand this. God creates everything and names it until he creates Adam. And then he don't name nothing. He brings it to Adam to see what Adam will call it. And whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. I was asking the Holy Spirit, but Adam hadn't been in existence that long. And the Holy Spirit said to me, how do you know that? Because he had been in his essence. So when he manifested, he knew how to speak life to something and watch it Manifest. So God brings the animals to Adam and says, son, what is it? Adam says, um, it feels like a bird to me. And it became a bird. It comes to Adam as a form. But Adam gives it its identity because he's created in the image of God and he has speaking ability to give something identity. Whatever your marriage is, you named it. Whatever your money is, you named it. Whatever your health is, you named it. But here's what's beautiful, because if you are sitting here thinking, I don't like what I named it, rename it. You tired of being broke? Stop calling yourself broke. You tired of being sick? Stop calling yourself sick. You tired of being depressed? Stop talking about how depressed you are. Because when it comes to you, God is looking to see what you will call it. And if you understood this, you'll never need a lot prophet to prophesy to you. It would be excited if a prophet prophesied to you. But they'd only be con- confer- confirming what you and God been co-creating on the inside. So then it would get so big in you, it would go out in the spirit realm and a prophet would be able to pick it up. Most of you spending your life waiting on somebody else to tell you what you can have, to tell you where you can go, to tell you what you can be, and then you wonder why you ain't going nowhere. But the reality of it is, is that I can't speak wealth into you. you got to speak wealth into yourself. Which is why I don't need nobody to agree with me. It's great if you agree with me, but whether you agree with me or not, you don't run nothing in my life. I find out what God wants. I get in agreement with God. But you know, what about all of the people? I just, I just want you to look at your name and say, all of the people's situations that you don't understand, not your business. Turn to tell your neighbor say it don't have nothing to do with you. You don't know what somebody thought. You don't know what somebody was believing in their heart. You don't know what somebody was agreeing for. So you over here trying to make an external judgment about what's an internal situation and then now trying to decide who God is and what he does based on somebody else's life that you ain't even living on the inside of that you don't even know. So you can't judge my situation or my blessing. In fact, nothing that I do has anything to do with you. It ain't none of your business. He says, go back to this. God says 18, 19. We want 19 or 20. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed something. But it doesn't become something till Adam says something. It's the reason we believe we can collapse the eye of a tornado. It gets formed from the ground, but we have the authority to call it something, which is why in a lot of ways that whether people are trying to help, but in many times they are increasing manifestation because whether you know God or not, you still are speaking spirit. So what happens is that when people begin to say whatever it is they don't want, it's tornado tornado season. It's gonna be more tornadoes, more tornadoes, more tornadoes. Whatever you call it. That's what it's gonna be. Now the problem for most of you is that you don't think you had that much power. I know you don't think you had that much power over the weather system because you don't think you had that much power over your emotions. You don't even know that you can change your own mood. Say, I can change my own mood. You're like, but I'm waiting on God to change my mood. He already gave you the power. Now, change your mood. Listen, let me tell you what I know. The presence of God will not change your mood without your permission. I have sat in this church and watched depression break off of people while other people held their depression close to their chest and refused to even do the simplest task. Chris will say, I feel like the Lord said, if you just lift your hands, it'll break. And they go. You notice what God don't do? Pull people's arms apart and make you lift your hands. You know, you notice that when we say praise God, you notice God ain't never snatched you up out your seat and made you clap your hands. Because praise is for you, it's not for him. Because he going to be God regardless of what you do. And the only time God ever asks you to praise, because I owe you to tell you this, is what science has now confirmed, that whenever you praise God, your brain gets more congruent, is what the research says. That when you begin to offer up thanksgiving, your brain gets more congruent. So you come in with a bill you don't know how to pay but you begin to give God thanks for his greatness and his provision and your higher self begins to take over and what looked like lack begins to see abundance and then you'll hear God say hey don't forget about X over there you got some money that you put in that drawer that you forgot about or go to this store right here and you'll go to this store and encounter somebody that'll give you what you needed cause your brain got congruent and stepped into your true self you praise God for you you don't praise it for him I would like to parenthetically insert that the reason that some of you have never had a breakout blessing is because you ain't never had a breakout praise you ain't never been able to move out your comfort zone in your life cause you ain't never praised out in your praise you ain't never moved out of your comfort zone in your praise. You'll praise how it's comfortable for you. And so what happens is your life manifests what's comfortable for you. But if you would praise God outside of your comfort zone, your brain would organize in a way it had not organized before. And you would begin to get solutions outside of your comfort zone. I think somebody want to practice. I want you to take five seconds. some of you ain't never stood up you ain't never lifted your hands you ain't never stepped outside your box but you don't even realize that praise in and of itself is a prophetic act praise is how you prophesy to yourself when I start dancing I'm thanking him for the victory that I believe I received I don't know what's going to happen this week but I'm going to go ahead and dance right now I don't know what's going to happen this week, but I'm going to lift my hands right now. Hey. Listen, I can teach you because I'm anointed to teach you. But if you don't grab it by revelation, all you'll have is another A on your Bible journal. And you'll be proficient in answering the questions, but you can't live it when you get home. You got to learn that when you get it home and your kids is talking crazy and the bills is piling up and the economy is stressing you out, how to begin to shift yourself? Because there's something in front of me and I got to name it something. It's something in front of me and I gotta name it something. I can name this bill Can't Be Paid, or I can name it Already Paid in Full. I can name this disease in my body, chronic pain, or by its stripes I'm healed. Cause whatever I call it, I gotta go to Genesis three, and I'm gonna let you go. I promise, I'm gonna let you go. In Genesis three, you see the act of sin. I don't have time to teach this part this week, so I'm gonna teach it next week. But in Genesis, you see, I, I hate the way we teach the fall, because we teach the fall like Adam was, Eve was trying to get something she wasn't supposed to have. Eve was trying to get what she already was. After they eat the fruit. The Bible says, and they saw they were naked. Here's what happened when they ate the fruit. The fruit is the first time they become aware of themselves separate from God. Everything else they had done, they had done from inside of God. They had a body, but they were still inside God. When they ate the fruit, they became aware that they were outside of God. In truth, nothing changed but their perception. Every day, God has been showing up with them to see what they will call it. After they eat the fruit, he still shows up to see what they will call it. And they called it, we afraid and we hid because we naked. And they called it, this woman that you gave me. And they called it, this serpent that tricked me. Well, because they were created in the image of God, they could have called it something else. They could have said, Daddy, we messed up. Daddy, we did something we shouldn't have done. and, And we need you to fix it. Notice this, we have no record that they asked God to fix it. What they began to do was try to manage what they had created. Some of you struggling because you're trying to manage what you created. You ought to just bring it and be like, I named it wrong. I'm not sure how to change the name of it. But I know that that's my original identity, so can you help me get back to my original identity so I can call it what it ought to be called, so it can look like something different? Because I don't want this. But it gets better. I want you to look at what God does. Go to verse. Let's try verse 16. Let's see what we got there. Ooh, 14. Now, look at what God does. Oh, this is so beautiful to me. In Genesis, what did he put on them? Genesis 1 and 26. That's why you got to study your Bible, 26, 27, 28. He blesses them. He gives them the ability to be fruitful. He tells them to multiply. He tells them they can replenish. He tells them they can subdue. And he tells them that they have dominion. They messed up. And watch what God does, because even when you messed up, God ain't never done with you. I just want to help whoever think that you done messed up so bad that it ain't no recovery in your money, in your love life, in your career, in your whatever. You can't go that far. The Bible says if you make your bed in hell, he'll come get you. They had made their bed in hell, and watch what he does. He says, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and on thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shall thou eat for the days of their life, for all the days of your life. Go to the next verse. He says, And I'm going to put an enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise your head, but he go bruise his heel. It says, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Adam and Eve, you've done this thing. And this thing puts you outside of your ideal situation. But even in what you've done, I am going to limit the enemy to your heel. Because you can still crush his head. So when the devil is operating with you up here, it's because you have forgotten who you are. He literally puts a limit on the enemy's capacity. He says, Jesus is coming. But before Jesus shows up, I want you to know there is a limit. I've kept you in a certain frame of authority that you can crush his head. The head is the seat of anything. You kill the head, you don't have anything. So even in their fallen state, he still said to them, you can crush his head. Keep going to the next one. He says, and to the woman, I'm going to greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shall bring forth children, and thy desire shall be thy husband for thy husband, and he shall rule over you. He says, he says something interesting. He says, now you're going to give, have children, and it's going to cause you pain. She was always going to have children. They were going to bring them and be called. But because of this thing she's done, now they've got to come forth in pain. Look at what he says to Adam. He says, because thou hast harked to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I told you that thou commanded thee, thou shalt not eat, cursed is what? The ground he never cursed Adam did you get that he never cursed Adam I believe that the enemy thought that he had got some power in that moment but he didn't curse Adam he said I'm gonna curse the ground but what he left Adam with was the power to exercise dominion over the ground And then the Bible says in 1 John 3 and 8, for this cause was Jesus. So this is why you can see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon, people who still have a fallen nature, but they can manifest dominion. God could have taken the dominion. He didn't want to. It was yours you still have the he says you messed up and things might look a little hard cuz you messed up but i left you with the blessing i left you with the ability to be fruitful i left you with the ability to multiply i left you with the ability to replenish and i look how smart god is when god gives adam and eve their position They don't even know they'll ever need to subdue anything. But within the blessing, he gives them the ability to subdue. And he does it because he understands that by creating them in their essence and giving them choice, they might not choose to do it his way. But he not go leave them with nothing. So he says, even though you messed up, I left you blessed. Say, I'm still blessed. And even though you messed up, I left you with the ability to be fruitful. Say, I'm still fruitful. And even though you messed up, you still got that multiplication on the inside of you. Say, I'm a multiplier. multiplier. And even though you messed up, it's going to be some things that you invite into your life because you messed up. And I've given you the ability to subdue them, to put your heel on its head. Say, I am a subduer. Saying, I have dominion. And if you live from that place, you'll stop waiting on somebody else to rescue you. And when things in your life are looking crazy, instead of just opening your mouth, you'll be like, and when your body start going crazy, because that's when you know it's out of whack, your stomach done got tight, your heads hurt, your, your shoulders are it, uh, caught up, you losing your footing, you can't sleep at night, your body tells you that you Your thinking, feeling cycle is out of life. So you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before I speak to my money, let me bring myself back to my identity. Before I speak to my kids, let me bring myself back to my identity. Because even though my kid's acting crazy, I can't come in agreement with no curse over their life. I'm not, uh, you may be acting crazy, but I'm not going to speak death to you. The Bible says that when um, Gideon was hiding in the wine press, God did not say, why are you hiding with your scary self? While he's hiding, he says to him, mighty man of valor. Because he knows if that he sees who he is, he'll get up. I want to say this because for the past couple of weeks, God has really had me talking to people about their kids. Make sure, because when we're in covenant with people, we have covenant, especially over our kids. That's why it matters who you submit yourself in authority to in a house of God. Because you give them some authority to speak over your life. So make sure that when your kids act up, you're not saying stuff like, I don't think they ever go get it because now you're speaking some. So what we going to do right now, just before we give our offering this morning, and even when you give your offering this morning, don't give out a lack. Give knowing that God fully supplies everything that you need. Give trusting. You got to say stuff like this. This offering may leave my hand, but it don't ever leave my life. Before I can drop this money, it's working its way back to my life, 30, 60, 100 fold. I'm telling you, if you believe that, nobody will ever have to beg you to give. No, you'll you'll never have to be someplace where somebody got to have a hundred dollar line for the blessing or a five thousand dollar line for the breakthrough. Because you'll be like, whatever I release always comes back to me because that's what I've called it. Now, when you call it that you give and you don't get anything back, that's what you get. You go, it's not, I I shouldn't get anything back. Well, now you're calling a liar, God a liar, because he said whatever you put in the ground ought to bring something back to you. You're like, I don't need all that. Great. Receive it back and then be a blessing to somebody else. So we're going to get up and we're going to prophesy into our own life. I believe that we ought to be expecting outrageous favor. I believe that there are some things that God wants to do in your life that will so shock people that they will want to know Jesus just because of the transformation in your life. I got to lead somebody to Christ one time because they used to party with me. And they said, looking at how you change, I know God is real. Tell me what you know. I believe that God wants to pour favor on your life to such a degree that people start going, what is this? You came from the same family. How you live like this? You were sick. How did you get healed? There is no healing for that. People just looking for an encounter and you don't even realize this. Do you know That's something that's... See, tell your neighbor, say, God can use anything. anything. Say, "I I mean anything. People try to get you messed up about, like, not believing for material stuff. But do you know you could believe God for a pair of earrings that could lead somebody to have a conversation with you? Because they like, where'd you get those earrings? Then you'll be like, listen, I used my faith, and here's what the Lord did, and here's the really cool story about how I got in. And they're like, oh, my God, God cares about earrings. God cares about everything. He cares about the creamer you like in your coffee. He cares about how you work. He cares about, there was a coffee that I wanted that they stopped making. I said, no, no. I need my coffee. I'm on their website. They're like, we're behind production. I'm like, help them raise up somebody to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And they got a new supplier and my coffee was bad. Yeah. He cares. He cares about everything. Yeah. Yeah. See, if you can understand that God cares about the cream in your coffee, then you'll understand he cares about your water bill. Yeah. Yeah. If you can understand he cares about your water bill, then you'll understand that he cares about you having a house. And that you living over there in that place with basic cable, having to steal movies, because you don't know what to call it. And you having to coupon everything and go to the 75% off rack, not because you like thrifting, but because that's what you called it. So I want to give you a chance. Pastor Evans, go come through the offering. But after that, I want you to come. Right now, I want you to just take a minute. I want you to speak to your life. And I want, I I want you to help because I know some of you, you walkers move out and we go take about a minute and I want you to speak to your life. The things that you've been saying, I don't have any, I don't have no, I don't never get cancel all of that today. Man, God, I'm sorry. I didn't realize the weight of my words. I release myself. I forgive myself for being frustrated and speaking death to my situation. Lord, forgive me for when I get frustrated with my spouse saying I don't know if we're going to make it. Forgive me for when I get frustrated with my kids saying y'all always do. Forgive me for how I curse my company and don't speak blessings over them and not declare that they're blessed just because I'm in the presence because I'm like Jacob and you'll prosper just because I'm with you. And I'm like Joseph and you'll prosper just because I'm with you. Forgive me for cursing my body. Forgive me for talking about even in just how old I am and how bad my eyes getting and how body bad my body is aching and not believing the scripture that says, You renew my youth like the eagles. That you're renewing me I feel like that somebody even needs some renewal in your body right now and I believe if you'll just lift your hand up and grab that some renewal in your body I want you to begin to those of you who have spoken that negativity over your body I want you to begin to bless your body I want you to begin to say father I thank you for the amazing dexterity I have in my fingers Lord I thank you that my knees they work my back is fully functioning I thank you that my spine works I thank you that my internal Organs work the way that they're supposed I bless this body that you've given me this body lets me walk this body lets me take care of my kids this body lets me laugh this body lets me love this body lets me give a hug and receive a hug I speak life to you body I speak life to you I repent for speaking so bad to you body I didn't understand what I was doing mine I repent for speaking so ill of you I do have a good memory my memory is sound my memory is sharp as a tack I got great recall somebody lay your hand on your mind you've been struggling with your memory I got great recall I got the mind of Christ I have the mind of Christ the same DNA in Christ is in my mind I have a great memory practice it right now call up a memory I repent for saying I'm anxious. I'm not anxious. I'm at peace. Even when I feel like I'm at peace, I'm anxious. It's a lie. So I center myself and say, great is your peace. Great is your peace. Great is your peace. I feel a strong need to speak over our bodies. Come on, speak to your body. Whatever it is, whatever you've said, I might have it because my grandmama had it. I might have it because it run in my family. I might have it because black women have it, white women have it. Right now, I break up with all of that. This body is healed. This body is whole. My personality is whole. Right now, God is bringing some healing to my soul. Some bad things, some bad habits that I've had because I've been insecure and frustrated, done with that. I'm mature. I'm able to receive love. I'm able to give love. I'm able to have healthy conflict. I release being a grudge holder. Yeah, somebody, who was that for? Grudge holder. Raise your hand, raise your hand. I need you to release that right now in Jesus' name. There's going to be, I heard the Lord say, if you are a grudge holder and you'll release that right now, there's going to be some supernatural healing that's going to come to your body. Some of you are going to, I was in a service one time and the girl would not, she had never released the man who molested her. I want you to hear me. In four In two weeks, she lost 40 pounds and she didn't change nothing. She said the weight just began to melt off of her because sometimes you think you like the diet doesn't work because I don't have discipline. The diet doesn't work because it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't bad eating that's holding the weight. So if you've struggled with your weight, you like, Lord, whatever may be in my heart that's holding me back, grudge, holding, offense, anger, sickness, whatever it is, I release it. I release it. It's different than come get it. When the woman with the issue of blood wanted to be healed, she didn't say, come to me. She said, if I can touch if I can step out and touch it, I want you to release that right now. That anger issue, that deep sorrow that you've had, that rehearsing of that story. Some of you just need to let your stories go today. Some of you need to train yourself. I learned something about myself last night. I'm really good at being disciplined with my words. And being in a good mood till I get tired. And I realized last night, sitting in the airport, that if I wanted to get home, I need to be quiet. Because every time they were saying, We never go get out of here, and I wanted to be like, It looks like we're never gonna get out of here, I would say, I'm going home tonight. I say, I'm going home tonight and I'm not driving. What happens? That's why that thinking, feeling cycle is so hard. What happens when you feel like it's not enough money? Because some of you are in a great mood until you don't think it's enough money. What happens? What's coming out of your mouth then? Is this helping anybody? I'm going to give you 13 seconds to decrease something over your life. And then I want you to take that. I need you to open your mouth. I ain't got to hear what you're saying. But something happens when you open your mouth. And then I want you to spend the next 13 seconds... Praising God for change that you ain't can't even see it, but you believe that you receive it in this moment.